Hello and welcome to In the Days of Noor with me, Noor, where we talk about Islamic-related topics and social issues. So I know that my last couple podcasts, I mean, I guess for a while, they have not focused as much or brought in as much research as I used to in the past. And that's really because I just have not... um, I haven't really made it a priority to do that. I'm working on my book and I'm working on the blog and doing other research. So when it comes to the podcast, it's become a bit more casual. But you can definitely let me know what you want to hear from me. You can always send me research. I do want to do some episodes on one of, there was a Mobine article someone sent me. So I do want to do a few episodes on that. That'll probably take up a lot of time. So, um, you know, for anyone who liked the older format, then my apologies. So I wanted to talk about the way in which the person that you choose to marry can ruin your life. And that may sound... That may sound very dramatic, but of course I'm going to explain it. So I was watching this interview with a woman who, she's a black woman from the hood, poor, and she was able to do well in school and get into Harvard. So obviously a big accomplishment for anyone, but especially for her as a poor black woman. And so she gets into Harvard and she's talking about that experience. But, you know, in the title of the video, then it's, you know, how this woman, something like how she went from the hood to Harvard to prison. So, of course, while you're watching the video, you're waiting for, okay, how in the world do you go from Harvard to prison? But in my head, as soon as I saw the title, I thought, you know what? I can almost guarantee that some man is involved because, and it's not to say women never commit crimes on their own, but a lot of women end up in trouble with the law because of men, because of their relationships. And we know that most of the uh, violent crimes are committed by men. This is not to like degrade men, but that's just the reality. So a lot of the times women find themselves in in trouble with the law it has to it's intertwined with men in in their life and i remember um this not too long ago maybe a couple weeks ago jt from this just a woman from a rap group but she she was um you know rising in her success and she ended up going to jail for some kind of fraud so that was on her that had nothing to do with a man But when she came out of jail, she said that so many of the women she met were in jail because of a man, because of hiding someone's drugs, because of hiding the man himself, the criminal himself. And I know when I was growing up, I mean, I didn't know about anyone's, I didn't know of any woman who had gone to jail and I only knew one guy. Uh, Yeah, I think I only knew one guy that went to jail before. Um... But there was a book we read called, I think it was called The Coldest Winter or something like that. 
And that was the theme of the story. Now, this book was about black teenagers and, you know, teenagers in the hood. And I think her father was a drug dealer, the main girl. And then her boyfriend was a drug dealer. And she ended up somehow getting involved. But not, you know, oftentimes when women are involved in drug dealing, they're not involved necessarily. They're like... They're involved as an extension of their relationship. So they let the boyfriend do drugs, not do drugs, but uh, maybe store drugs at their house or whatever, package the drugs at their house or just being in their house. Because, and I don't remember the exact law, but there's some kind of law in New York City that even if you house a drug dealer, like that in and of itself is a crime and then you're not eligible for welfare. There's something, there's some kind of connection like that. I don't remember it completely. So a lot of women are, um, get involved because of, as we said, an extension of their relationships. Also, I know when I was growing up, the girls that we knew who were in gangs, it was often because their boyfriend was in a gang. So it was just, again, an extension of their relationship There's only one girl I knew of who was in a gang and she actually fought her way into the gang because that was sort of one of the two ways. Either you were just the girlfriend of a gang member, member, so you became a gang member yourself, um, or you fought your way into being into the gang. Now, I guess she fought other girls. I have no idea, Um, but but I know that that was her story. So in listening to the story of this woman, just having those ideas in the background, I assumed that it was going to be something about a relationship. So she finally gets to the point, I think, at like the 42 minute mark. And the story is interesting. So it's not like I minded Um, waiting for that. So she was in Harvard and dating a drug dealer and on her campus there were two drug dealers that didn't go to the school but were connected I guess to two of the black women there one of um, her being one of them and there was some kind of drug deal gone wrong and her boyfriend ended up shooting another drug dealer I guess the other drug dealer and she mentioned she mentioned that Harvard did have a drug culture. I know one of my sisters who went to a majority white school also spoke about that, the drug culture on campus. I went to a majority white school for my master's program, but I didn't live on campus. So I think that when you live on campus, you're going to have a completely different experience than someone who is, um, you know, transport, transporting, is that the right word? Um, I don't know, but, you know going traveling there every day um so and I I think it was actually the same thing I don't completely remember where there was like a black boyfriend and that was the drug dealer um and boyfriend of her roommate or something like that so it ended up being not to get into it too much but anyway they were she ended up leaving and going into another dorm but a lot of these colleges, they are known to have a drug culture. But, you know, in our society, then the way that a drug dealer and a drug user are viewed is very differently. And we know 
race also plays a part into that because the way that drugs are categorized is extremely racial so i forget the i forget the exact categories but something like possession of crack will get you far more time than possession of cocaine and you know both of these drugs are addictive but one is a drug that is mostly used by black people poor people crack and cocaine is used by wealthy people. Um, and you know, there was a whole crack epidemic in the 80s, and which has pretty much died out, Hamnina. But anyway, so those drugs were t- treated differently in large part because of the different users. And the most blatant case of, of racism and drug use is seeing the way the crack epidemic was treated as opposed to the way I believe the drug is methamphetamine or opioids, one of those two drugs, as opposed to how that was treated because, and I remember so distinctly, it was a couple of years ago when the Oprah show was still on, um, the show that she had on daytime television. And there was this, I think it, I think at that time it was meth. I know there is an opioid problem as well, but I think at that time it was meth. And there was all of this, you know, just this um, discussion about what are we going to do about this drug problem? It's harming so many families. All of these families are addicted. I remember, subhanAllah, because I still remember how those people looked because they were, you know, making this stuff in their home. They were losing teeth, losing hair. They looked... They looked like they had some kind of disease, but they were um, affected by this drug. So there there was all this talk about rehab and we have to help people. And if you find someone in the street, like police officers, find someone in the street, just take them back home. And it's like, subhanAllah, this is so different from how they treated the crack epidemic. When it was the crack epidemic and the heroin epidemic, I think they happened around the same time. Actually, I think heroin was like 70s and crack was like 80s or something, but they probably did um, overlap. Then it was all about a war on drugs. You know, we have to essentially arrest people, you know, all of these harsh sentences for people who had a problem, people who had an addiction. Um, so the the black and white treatment was so severe and so that same thing is happening that same kind of dynamic when it comes to the drug culture that's re- that's very well known on many of these campuses as opposed to the people selling drugs now i'm not saying the people selling drugs are always black i, I have no idea but um there is still that kind of divide and you know the funny thing about a lot of white schools is that you'll notice that the way that they are placed and just sort of situated in the community, it's a weird thing. But if you sort of, it, like they won't be very far off from the hood. Like it's a very weird thing. If you have gone to Pratt, to Columbia, to uh, even Howard, and Howard is a HBCU, so these are just some of the schools my uh, siblings have gone to. I know when I was going to Columbia, there was one day when I got lost and I ended up going, I ended up taking the bus too far. Like I took it 
a couple stops too far. I'm not even sure why I was taking the bus. I, I, I'm not, I don't even know. Because I had to take the train. It's like an hour away from where we lived at the time. But maybe there, I guess there was some reason I, I thought I had to take the bus as well. But I ended up going a bit too far. And I was like, where am I? <laughs> because all of a sudden I was in the hood. I was in a black neighborhood, um, lower SES. Even though it, like, I, I don't want to paint it as all bad because the interesting thing about just finding myself in that neighborhood, like all of a sudden it was like, you know, um, that song from Cheers, like going to a place where everybody knows your name, like he was saying, hey, how are you? And like, I was clearly in a neighborhood. I was no longer in um, the college area. And so it's just very interesting because I've seen that dynamic many, many times. You go a little too far, quote unquote, and you're in the hood. So it's like the the um, college class and the you know hood and the the poorer class can end up commingling in certain situations and drugs can be one of those situations um and there's also there's a lot more risk in selling drugs than in taking drugs because even when you're taking drugs there's a possibility for people to view you as a victim whereas when you're selling drugs no one really cares especially if you're black so she's dating this man who's i think i already told the whole story actually that she was dating the man who is a drug dealer drug deal gone wrong apparently he shot another drug dealer or i'm not sure if it's exactly a drug deal gone wrong if he shot another drug dealer but anyway he ended up shooting shooting someone else a young black man apparently someone who actually went to the school so i don't know if he's you know selling drugs and he goes to the school um but anyway she i believe hides him in her don't in her dorm and then helps him get away now i i don't want to sort of overly criminalize this woman because i think if you're in a panic situation like that and your loved one even though this is just a boyfriend but um your loved one commits a crime i think in the moment i wouldn't be surprised if most of us would just be thinking how do we get away how do we fix this how do we solve this um and then maybe thereafter you realize oh my god like i j because i highly doubt that when you call the taxi to get them out of the situation that you're like oh i'm trying to help them escape in a getaway car right you're probably just panicking and thinking of the short term. How do I get this person out of the situation? So long story short, then um, she goes to jail for two and a half years and she's never able to get her degree. Now, this story, I thought it was just so valuable because I think there's a very important lesson to learn here. You know, a lot of us in this day and age, we want to focus on our academia and we want to focus on our career. But I think that focusing on who you marry should never go out of style. Um, it should never not be a focus, especially for us as women, because who you marry, and again, this is her boyfriend, but it, you know, it does matter in, their, in the non-Muslim context. Um, but in general, who you marry, who you allow yourself to associate with, can be your downfall right it can lift you up or it can be your downfall 
And I think it's really important that we don't forget that. One thing I've realized, um, and I know that this can probably apply to other people, but I've seen this, I've just seen it with black people. I'm not saying only black people do it. But sometimes people will rise in their economic status, but not rise in their social status or or vice, uh, vice versa. They will rise in their social status, but not rise in their economic status. And it's such a missed opportunity. You know, that word S or the terminology SES, socioeconomic status is so valuable because that it doesn't tell the whole story, but that tells a lot about how your life, what kind of quality of life you're going to have. If you're able, if you're blessed, if you work hard enough to move up in your circle economically, you should also be looking to move up socially. If you're blessed to move up socially, which is going to Harvard, going to a great school, you should be looking for the great economic opportunities. And this is for myself as well. I mean, it, <laughs> I don't want to say it's too late for me, but it's well, it's too late in the sense that I'm not in school anymore. But I would tell anyone, if you're going to a um, Ivy League school, Look for those opportunities. Get close to your teachers. Look for the internships. And alhamdulillah, I did do some of that when I was in grad school. But because I wanted to get into Islamic studies right after school, I just didn't fully take advantage of those opportunities. And, you know, for me, it's like I can only do but so much. If I worked right after school, I wouldn't have been able to go to Jordan. And, you know, so I I chose which one I wanted to do and I, and I made the necessary sacrifice but I think that in general, if there's not something else that's really calling you, you know, but in general, it's really valuable to try to raise both our social status and our economic status when you have the opportunity. So a show that I love, I mean, it's so old, but this show, Frasier, that I love didn't say I love it that's over the top but <laughs> the show that I watch still every once in a while but it's really old from I don't know maybe the 90s I think it's earlier than the 2000s or maybe the 90s but anyway there's an episode of Frasier where this guy he comes into money so he's he's um suddenly rich I forget what exactly he does but I think he becomes like the studio manager or something where Frasier works if you don't know about Frasier the show it's essentially about a psychiatrist who then becomes like a psychiatrist on the radio and moves to well he moves to Seattle becomes a psychiatrist on the radio lives with his father and his brother sort of reconnects with his past Seattle's where he's from but he's also a part of the funny dynamic of the show is that the father is sort of socially of a f lower class. The father was a cop and his mother was a psychologist, but their sons, who is Frazier and Niles, um, they have really high class taste because, because of their father and their mother's hard work. Um, and, you know, their mother taking them to museums and they going to private schools and all that. So that that's part of the, the amusement of the show. But in this particular episode, this person who comes into wealth, then he realizes that he doesn't fit in. So he's raised his economic status, but his social status hasn't changed, right? He doesn't know 
who I don't know, maybe doesn't know anything about Freud or he doesn't know anything about man, do I know anything? Like I'm trying to think of any sort of fancy I don't know, he doesn't know anything about opera or fine dining, etc. Right? Um, almost like if you could imagine a Trump kind of character, like just very um like Trump almost has this interesting positioning where he's low class in a sense like so people can relate to him who are on the bottom quote unquote but he's very wealthy right so it's it's that sort of weird dynamic or the the dynamic of a lot of rappers right what we call new money so they come into money but they haven't been schooled at the private schools and they haven't traveled the world and they don't know about you know the fine dining and opera and all of that stuff so the guy um comes to fraser so that fraser can teach him um how to be a part of the social class that he found, not really that he finds himself in, but a part of the social class that is tied to his economic status. And, you know, that's why sometimes um, someone can become wealthy, but they don't necessarily fit in, or you could even be poor and you don't necessarily fit into the social class that aligns with your economic class. Um, because maybe even though you were poor, your parents still wanted you to get a good education and they saved up their money so you could go to, like, even my parents, we weren't poor, we were working class, but we were of, even within my family, like, including my extended family, my family has traveled a lot. I mean, when I was younger, it was unheard of for someone to just go overseas, go to an Arab country, like, all of these places that were seemingly quote-unquote exotic, um, my sisters were going to France and Morocco and all those places and that, you know, all of us would eventually get to go to. So it, and, and you know, the way I'm using these terms that this is not like trying to boast anyone or put down anyone, I'm just kind of using it in a matter-of-fact kind of way. So it kind of elevated our social status because there was a level of culture and education that we were able to obtain, even though we lived in the same, um, even though we were part of the same economic class as everyone else in our neighborhood. But the idea to a lot of people, I mean, people would be so like kind of shocked and, and interested, like, oh, you went to Jordan, you went to like the Arab world, like these these places were so far out to them, you know, they only knew about these places through the news, which is why sometimes they'd be so shocked, especially because we were going to Arab countries. And to them, their only perception of Arab countries is that they're dangerous. Um, so it's, it's very, it, to me, it's so valuable to do what you can. If you have the opportunity to be at Harvard, why would you still want to connect yourself um how can i put it um why would you choose in the places where you're able to choose why would you choose to still connect yourself to poverty right so you can't choose your family and you shouldn't want to like it's not about forgetting where you came from no you still are connected to your family you may you may still have friends from that um you know, from back home and all that stuff, um, from your old neighborhood, but to choose a romantic partner that's going nowhere in life, 
you know, at least as far as you can tell in that moment, he's dealing drugs. He has nowhere good to take you except to take you down, right? So why would you choose that for yourself? And I think sometimes there is actually a mental split that happens with people. And, you know, I'm sorry to use this example, I know. (laughs) But whatever happened to, we probably all unfortunately know, like, things that we shouldn't know in terms of celebrity gossip, just because sometimes you see it scrolling and then you click on it and you listen and then you're like, why did I just listen to that? But anyway, whatever, it's a, it's a good example of the rapper um, Nicki Minaj. I found something that she said so profound and worth thinking about is that so she got married to her husband who ha sorry, she got married to her husband who has like no um what do they call that? Subhanallah. Um whatever they call your wealth. Like he had recently gotten out of jail. This is a guy from the hood, a guy she knew growing up. So his economic status, his social status is very low. And again, I'm not using that in a judgment way. I'm using it as a matter of fact way. So she marries this guy and, you know, a lot of people are saying, why would you marry this guy? He has no money. He's been in and out of jail, etc." And just something profound that I thought she said is that he knew me before I was Nicki Minaj. And I thought that was profound because that shows that sometimes there's a disconnect with us. Like we get to a a better place economically, but we still feel socially connected to where we came from. And you know, I'm not, I'm not even going to say that's bad, but I think it can be, if you're thinking about your future and you're thinking about someone bringing good into your life, um, yeah, emotionally, socially, I guess they can bring good into your life. But if you want sort of the a more holistic good, right? If you want someone to meet you where you actually are now and not where you used to be or who you used to be, then I think it is really dangerous to still see yourself in the light of, oh, he knew me before the money, but like you should have changed and evolved with the money you have. Like what have you done with the money? And that happens sometimes as well that people get money and all they know is to buy a bigger car and, and well, not a bigger car, a fancier car and a bigger house and more shoes. Like they don't know what to do with their money in terms of actually planning well financially for themselves, for their future, because they're still stuck in who they were. Like they haven't utilized their money to better themselves. So all they know is, well, when I was younger, I wanted the, the name brand bag and so now I can't afford it. I'm going to get 10 bags, right? There was a woman, um, and this is another example, and, and I guess I'll just end with this. It, there was a woman who had won the lottery, another, you know, woman from the hood, a uh, poor black woman. And she won the lottery million, like this was a huge lottery. She bought herself this huge house. Mind you, it's just her. She has a child, but the child lives with her mother. It's just her, and I think, I don't remember if it was a boyfriend or a husband. And she bought, like, all of this just extravagant stuff. And I feel like, I'm not completely sure, 
but the lottery was just so huge like if it maybe if it was a moderate lottery then she would have already been out of money because she was just spending money like crazy and she had spent even like millions of dollars i believe or a huge amount bailing out her um and i don't remember if it was a boyfriend or husband in and out of jail you know because she's still connected to this guy from the hood so it's like oh your boyfriend if you were in the hood if you were still poor your boyfriend goes to jail. Let me just say husband because I don't remember which one it was. Your husband goes to jail. Well, you try to bail him out with whatever little money. You probably won't have all of it, but you try to work and eventually get him out. Or maybe you can't get him out, but you do what you can, right? Okay, now you have a million dollars. Okay, I guess I'll spend this million dollars to keep bailing him out of jail. Like you don't change. You don't realize that oh, I have more money now. I can try to elevate my circle. I can try to elevate my husband as well if he's willing to come on the path. But to stay where I am socially, then you have to ask yourself, what's the benefit of the money if you're gonna still stay in exactly the same framework? And the same thing for the woman who goes to Harvard. What's the benefit of going to Harvard if you're gonna stay in exactly the same framework and allow yourself to be brought down by a relationship and you know i think she is doing good work now in sociology or something like that but i just think we have to remember it's not just money and it's not just education it's also our relationships that can elevate us and bring us down we shouldn't think okay i'm going to be really smart and work really hard and go to harvard and i'm going to be really smart and work really hard and get this great job but when it comes to relationships, oh, well, you know, you can't help with your, what your heart wants, right? I'm just going to fall in love with whoever. No, we should be smart with every aspect of our life. And for me, I think it's unfortunate that we've let that go. Like, of course, now we want women to get an education and, and if they have career goals, go after that. But we cannot underestimate how damaging a bad relationship can be. We can't give our daughters, raise them to be so smart in every aspect of their life except their relationship. Who you marry is such a huge deal. And, you know, that's, I just feel like that needs to be preached more to women. You cannot be so smart in every aspect of your life except your relationship. So thank you guys for listening. I would love to know your thoughts, inshallah ta'ala. Um, this subject is, is just really important to me and something that I'm constantly trying to teach myself because I think that just so many of us, we don't learn how to choose um, a good spouse. I mean, if we're fortunate, you know, we grow up with parents and our family intact and that helps. But I think it should be something that is also taught and advise in the same way we would teach and advise someone on where to go to school and what job to get. Thank you guys for listening. Take care.